0: Welcome to the SFTC Consultant Podcast. This is where we have open discussions with Salesforce Consultants, Administrators, and Architects. My name is Emery, and in this episode, I will be speaking with Luke Potter, a Salesforce Solution Architect at IBM. There are a number of points that I covered with Luke, but something very interesting to know is that Luke never went to university. So I will be exploring that subject as well as other career-related topics. Additionally, if you find this episode interesting, I would really appreciate if you could share this episode with your peers, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review.
1: My name is Luke, and I am a solution architect at IBM. I've currently been working with Salesforce around six and a half years now, and I got into Salesforce pretty much straight out of college at the time. I was fortunate enough that my mum's husband owned a Salesforce consultancy. And at that time, Salesforce was, was nothing like it is at the moment. It's obviously a huge company and was still back then, but they've really improved everything, all aspects of Salesforce compared to when I first started and we were in the standard Salesforce user interface. Lightning didn't exist. And he essentially said to me, come and try it out. see what Salesforce is all about. It's, it's going to be the next big thing. And at that point I was uh, skeptical to say the least. Obviously I was fresh out of college. I didn't really know where I wanted my career to take me. I knew that it was going to be likely something in IT. I always, always had an interest in IT, whether that was at that time it wanted to be web design actually, and something that I'm still interested today, but I fell into the Salesforce route rather than that. So I sort of took the plunge at that point and I was an apprentice for a couple of years. I was working on a service desk as case management. Uh, so cases would come in from clients and then I would action them and sort of worked my way up through that. I became a Salesforce admin. Unfortunately, that consultancy then closed down and I had to look for another job. And at that time, I didn't really know again if I wanted to stay in Salesforce. I had only been doing it for two years, but I did enjoy it. So I was looking for another job. And somebody who I worked with at that consultancy said, I know a company called Blue Wolf at the time. And then I joined Blue Wolf as a consultant, which is now IBM, and worked through the consultant to now becoming a solution architect. So in a nutshell that is uh, <laughs> is my uh, career there's been a lot of discussions here around
0: the best way to get into salesforce things like i guess the most common thing is the whole accidental admin and then get it that way and then of course a lot of people mention oh well you finish a degree in start from there, but I think you've actually cut down in terms of like student loan as well. (laughs) Uh, So don't have that burden on on you right now. And of course, you've been on this for a few years. So you've seen a bit of an evolution in terms of the platform. And you've also had a few sides of, of, of the whole profession of Salesforce. You've done the help desk, you've done consultancy, you've done admin. So what I wanted to Get to right now is at which point, because you said after an initial two-year period you weren't exactly sure if Salesforce is potentially your cup of tea. Let's just say. So wh- when did you actually made that decision? Was it at the point that you joined Blue Wolf, or is it prior to that? How how did how, what was your thinking process around that?
1: Yeah. So I'd always been quite shy, to be honest, when I left school and putting myself in front of clients and especially like you do today if you had to present to a room of 20 30 people if you had to take a call with loads of individuals I would have uh, been quite scared when I first started my career and I do think it's something that people struggle with especially in today's age where everything's online everything's virtual of course we're in lockdown so you have to to move things virtually now but once again, when when, we, when everything opens up and you start holding these meetings, I would have been totally scared when I first started. And after that two years, it sort of got me, there were smaller engagements. So I was working with non-for-profits and Salesforce had the non-profit starter pack, which gave 10 free licenses to non-profits. So it was much smaller engagements and they were only 10 days or so. So I was sort of, eased into meeting clients and holding rooms with less people than I do now. But sort of after I left that consultancy and I became a consultant in Blue Wolf, that's what really pushed me in terms of getting in front of more people, having to build up that confidence. And a lot of people, when they leave school, they leave college, they might not have that confidence. And I think they're skeptical to get into these roles where you have to stand in front of clients. And confidence is key when it comes to Salesforce. You need to sound like at least what you're talking about, uh, even if perhaps sometimes you don't. And that's, that's something which just comes with, with practice and getting in front of people. So I think once I left that consultancy and got thrown in at the deep end, it was sort of sink or swim for me. I was earning quite good money. Like you said, I didn't go to university, so I didn't have any student debt to pay off. And, and somebody that's at the age of 20 21, and in the wage that I was was uh, good for me. So I saw that it was still growing. I saw it was a good opportunity. So it was sort of silly for me to throw it all away after I left that first consultancy. So I continued and ended up where I am today. I guess the situation there was the fact that if it's not broken, don't try to fix
0: this. And and in a way, it all ended up in a in a positive outcome. The other thing I was going to say. Has this happened yet or not, I guess, but have you made in your mind for your own personal growth and, and career, have you made the decision that, that Salesforce is your career path? Even even if it's a, I'm going to start my own consultancy in X amount of years, or I'm going to become a certified technical architect or whatever that objective is. Is, is Salesforce, the, I would probably say, the center of that universe or that or that decision hasn't been made yet?
1: Yeah, so if you asked me a year or two ago, I would say yes. But now I'm sort of coming to realize that Salesforce can't be the main sole f- focus, right? Because inevitably one day Salesforce could die and I would have to look for another opportunity. Unfortunately, the skills that you build up when you're working with Salesforce, our skills which are transferable. Speaking to clients in front of rooms, these are things that you can do regardless of the technology. But it's constantly evolving, right? So as I said, Salesforce is, is nothing like it was when I first started six years ago. There was no trailhead. There was no lightning. The UI was not that great. And compare that to what it is now. It's, it's a really great product. And I really do believe that it's given people great opportunities, and I really think it's a great CRM tool, hence why it's one of the best in the world. For me, career-wise, like I said, I'm learning these skills through Salesforce, which ultimately one day can transfer to another role, hopefully. I originally wanted to go certify technical architects. I've always been more technically inclined rather than the other way around. So. I never really got into coding and stuff, but I'm interested in the technical side of Salesforce. So the the CTA was the end goal for me, but now that's sort of shifted. Now that I'm a solution architect, I, I sort of prefer designing the solution, still understanding the technical side. But for me now, the focus is more, just grow as an individual, learn skills, continue with Salesforce. Obviously the launch of the blog and the YouTube, try and give back the stuff that I've learned To people who are in or maybe in the same situation that I was if they're just looking to start their career with Salesforce
0: I think with the dynamics of I guess the entire market and the dynamics that that Salesforce brings to the table in terms of their acquisitions and all of that you you can never know what technologies they're going to bring forward and people probably just get passionate around that you'll probably find right now that you'll have a wave of Tableau specialists coming in, but also yeah. from a sales point of view, people that will experience Tableau for the first time, potentially professionally, they'll say, actually, I, I probably really enjoyed that and I'll probably switch my attention to that. So there are always waves of, of these trends. The other thing that I wanted to to touch upon is if we are to look back four years ago, six years ago, what would be some of the major key points that you would quote, unquote, call mistakes? And that could be career-wise or that could be technical solutions and things that you would, you would do in the system. And the way I'm thinking about it is, yes, right now you have Trailhead. So in case you want to know the best way to do something, there's probably a, a, a trail for that or there's a module for that. And of course, the the forum has has grown enormously in the last last few years. So, you in case you have a question, there is a very very good chance that someone received the top answer for that or best answer for that somewhere on on the Trailblazer forum. So, what were some of the things that you potentially could quote unquote label as mistakes at the, from from looking backwards right now?
1: When you make the mistakes at the time, yeah, they're obviously a big issue or sometimes you make mistakes in Salesforce, which you try and avoid making again. Uh, things like the logging into the sandbox with the wrong URL. And I still make that same mistake uh, today. But other mistakes are around like managing products, uh, projects, managing clients, managing requirements, working in agile. So I wouldn't really say like, mistakes and for me career wise I personally don't feel like I've made any mistakes and the way that is because like if somebody says to me tomorrow go and be a business analyst on a project I have no issues with being a business analyst because I'm learning things which perhaps might not be in the solution architect skill set or technical architect skill set and that's been sort of my mantra as you will throughout my career in that you sort of just take everything as it comes. And I've been very fortunate in the fact that I ended up in Blue Wolf, which is now owned by IBM. And I sort of fallen into one of the biggest consultancies in the world. So I wouldn't really say like mistakes. I didn't have Trailhead. I didn't have all of this stuff when I first started out. So it was really just a learning curve for me. So pick up Salesforce, see where it takes me. And I'm quite a laid back individual if anyone's listening to this that knows me, you'll probably agree with that. And I sort of just take things as they come. So don't say, don't say no to things. If you're a solution architect, if you're a business analyst, if you're an admin, don't say no to trying out new things. If somebody says tomorrow, go and do a demo to a client, go and do the demo even if you are worried about it. 99% of the time it goes absolutely fine. So, Just take things as they come would be what I'd say.
0: To be honest, in terms of the sandbox, the one that you mentioned, (laughs) I remember, so I went um, to a client and it was my first time using sandboxes. And I went on this YouTube webinar that that was hosted by Salesforce. In terms of learning about sandboxes, how they work, all of that. the, The one thing that that particular video didn't, didn't explain is the whole or i didn't understand blame it on the video right now (laughs) but i didn't understand is the fact that um at the point that the snapshot is taken from the sandbox any of the changes that you make in production are are not really synced of course to the sandbox and i've created the sandbox and i thought well while that's refreshing i'll just like finish a few a few things in here so i'm getting into the demo mode and this is this is not really like a demo just like user acceptance session so i need to grant users access so i'm granting access to the sandbox of course i pass them the i pass them the url i explain how that how that works all of that but then users see different things I open on a projector and, and my page layout looks in one way and someone just raises their hand and says, oh, well, my page layout looks different. And I'm like, oh my God, what is this? And this is just, just in the middle of a, a session with like 30 people basically. <laughs> so it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really the the, the most, and I had back-to-back sessions on, on that day. So lunch wasn't really existing at that point because what I did over lunch, I basically had to reconfigure the sandbox system. So it basically shows what's, uh, well, the, the correct permission and all of that. So, so the logging into Sandbox is, 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 is. I I always check that right now. It's it's one of those things that you basically hit once and you're gonna remember for the rest of uh, quote unquote your career. Now, the the other thing I wanted to to touch upon, and you've you've slightly mentioned, the giving back to the community in terms of your blog and kind of the YouTube content that you're planning to, to push out is my first question would be, why, why would you do that? Basically, what is your motivation behind it? Just because just looking at myself included and a few other major bloggers. And I mean, if you go on YouTube, there's, there's so, so much, you know, good content out there. And the community is supporting that. But my question is, is that, is that motivation across the board for everyone? Just because there's, those, there's this feel that people just feel compelled to give back, if it makes sense. You get so much from the community in terms of the existing content that somehow it into your unconsciousness basically motivates you or makes you try to give back as well. So you're part of that you're part of that ecosystem, if you make
1: sense. The, the whole main reason for setting the blog up and the YouTube is is not really to like gain anything out of it apart from the fact that I'm trying to help people, but more, as I said, it was a hobby for me. I like making YouTube videos and the editing and sort of building a brand, building the blog. It gave me a chance to sort of do in my spare time, what I've always wanted to do and do as a hobby anyway. So it made sense that I sort of did something around what I was doing in my career. And I think when you look at this content or you look at these blogs, a lot of them are focused on individuals who are already working with Salesforce who are already in the ecosystem. And they've got experience of this stuff already. Like they're already solution architects. It might be code focused or something like that. And there wasn't really much in terms of the way around new people younger people was probably my main focus people who are leaving college leaving school they probably have no idea what salesforce is so it was more my main focus is to educate people what is salesforce if they could build a career in salesforce the same way that i have i've done it i'm sure anybody else could do the same but that was my my main focus for the youtube and the blog is sort of covering something that not everybody else is doing because there, like you said, there is loads of stuff on there already, but it gives me a chance to do my hobby at the same time and keep on top of Salesforce because in my current role, and when you get to solution architect level, technical architect level, you sort of take a step back from Salesforce and where I learned all of my config and made all of these mistakes that I did the blog post on, was when I was working as an admin, as a consultant, where you actually do configuration, do config on Salesforce. Because once you take that next step, you, you take a step back, you're in charge of the requirements, you're in charge of the solution, but that's more knowing what Salesforce is capable of doing and what it can't do, rather than actually getting hands on and doing the config yourself, which is left to other individuals, the de- developers, the consultants. The last thing I wanted
0: to, wanted to touch upon is you mentioned the fact that you're probably more inclined to encourage and to appeal to younger audiences and encourage them to get into this and, and potentially educate in terms of what Salesforce is. But what would you say are some of the, for your uh, role specific in terms of a solution, what would you say are, are you know some of the top key skills that someone should look out for you mentioned something around presentation skills or communication skills presumably that's that's the the bedrock of your role in a way if it i don't know that that's how i'm kind i'm thinking about it
1: is being able to communicate at, at
0: different levels
1: communication and confidence is definitely one which i would say is the utmost importance if you wanted to do a role like this and as I said, that's just something that comes with being chucked in front of a room of people and either sinking or swimming. Uh, Most of the time you, you come out fighting. So it's something that you just pick up along the way, but being able to talk to stakeholders, being able to run teams, like previously when you're a consultant or an admin, you may have smaller teams, but as a solution architect, you're responsible for the solution. And if it, doesn't go well, ultimately you're responsible for that team's success or failure because you've designed it in a way which should be best practice. It should be the best solution possible that you can design for that client and your team listen to that as a solution architect. So team leadership, team management, I would say is also another key. And having, I think having experience, knowing what somebody in those other roles feels. Like becoming a salesforce admin or a consultant and moving up the chain, how you felt when you were a consultant or how you felt when you were an admin towards architects, you need to explain things perhaps in a more simpler way that not you're not talking to another architect who's got ten years salesforce experience you're talking to a consultant who's still learning Salesforce. you just need to explain things in a way that not as simple but in a way that they would understand and i think coming from those roles you you have more sympathy for the fact that everybody started somewhere and it's i've spoken to some solution architects and technical architects which think that because they've got that title which i i don't really like saying but because they've got that title that they are just higher than other people in the team or something like that but That's not the case. Everybody is equally important. Everybody should have their say. And sometimes the admins or the consultants have better views or better experience than the Salesforce solution architect or the technical architect. So I think everybody needs to be heard. You need to take on everybody's, uh, everybody's view on things and then be able to rationalize that and ultimately design the best solution possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the one thing I was going to mention around that is the whole thing about uh, having a title and, and what that means. I was actually going to ask about that because what, what, what is your view on this? Is, is Salesforce with the whole exams and, and certifications, it, do you think that's encouraging competition among ourselves? probably not intentionally encouraging that, but do you think one of the outcomes, one of the, let's just say negative points around that, I think if you're competing against yourself in a way, you're setting yourself like goals and and all that, that's good. And and I think it does that with the whole trailhead. People have made a big thing about ranger, double ranger, triple ranger, all that. And that's good. That's good. Cause that, it's something that they aim for and they push themselves for. But do you think that unintentionally there is a bit of well, I have ten certificates and you only have eight or, or something along those lines. Probably not not intentionally from the individuals either, but, but I don't know as, as a negative part. What what do you think about that? Have you have you have do you have an opinion about that? What's what's your take?
1: Yeah, so I think with the introduction of Trailhead, like you said, people fight for this Ranger status and then, or seven, eight, eight times Ranger, I think now you can get, uh, which is 800 badges. I'm not sure who has the time to complete that many badges, but it's becoming a crowded market, especially with Trailhead because anybody can jump on Trailhead and start learning Salesforce tomorrow, whether they don't know Salesforce or they do. And for some reason, people think that if you have all of the certificates, if you have all the certs, then it, I don't know, it sort of shows that you have more knowledge than another individual. And I did a blog post recently on job titles. And when it comes to certs, I personally don't think that they mean you're good or bad at Salesforce. I hate taking exams. I've always hated taking exams, whether that was at school. I hate revision. And I don't know, I just get nervous when it comes to taking exams. And I've failed my uh, admin exam the first time after like a year and a half of using Salesforce. And then you sort of look at yourself and think, oh, well maybe I'm not good as a Salesforce admin. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So I think that takes a knock on people's confidence. But I've known people with, 20 certs that are nowhere near as confident on Salesforce as somebody with two or three certs. So like you say, it's a negative aspect. I do think certs are good. They are a way of showing that you have knowledge in a particular area. And for me, for example, going down the architect route, I now want to focus on the architect exams, but it's more just to show that I have that knowledge. I've implemented that knowledge And it's just something, unfortunately it has to go on your CV. And when I was looking at job roles the other day, when I was writing that blog post, people were asking, you have to have a minimum of the admin cert and the app builder cert, or you have to have this. And some of the best admins I know don't even have those certs. So I think they're really limiting in terms of the individuals that they're looking for, and they're asking for like seven, eight years, Salesforce experience when it's, it's not even that old of a company. If you've got eight years Salesforce experience, you should be an architect. You should be at the highest level of Salesforce. And some people are quite happy being an admin for eight years, but to ask seven years experience for a Salesforce admin role is, is ludicrous in, in my mind. So yeah, I personally, and that's my opinion, others may disagree, but I don't think Salesforce certs are the be all and end all of individuals
0: yeah i mean i've heard a, a very good comparison yesterday or a very good calculation or split uh, on this is the 50 30 20 rule where you basically 50% of your effort should be around experience 30% yeah. of your effort should be around certifications and 20% of your effort should be on uh, on trailhead so that way you have a good mixture with each each pillar is important but in comparison with other pillars it's basically you're either um, it's either more important or less important so you, you shouldn't you know just concentrate on one and hope that the the others will not will not matter in a way to make sense what i was going to say is is thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your 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 story of, of starting this and, and some of the advice that you shared is there anything else that you want to you want to mention i know you mentioned things like youtube and your blog. do you want to what what's what are the urls for that for for those those channels
1: yeah sure uh, so the blog is forcewithluke.com and the same thing on youtube force with luke so if you check those out there's blog posts on there and I would just say if you're thinking about starting a career in Salesforce, then now is still a great time to jump into Salesforce. It's a great career, uh, offers great experience, especially if you're in my scenario. I'm not sure how many college students listen to this or may listen to this, but if you were in my scenario, then make the jump. You can learn Salesforce through Trailhead in your spare time. doesn't have to need, or it doesn't need to take up all your effort. So yeah. Just just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, if you have any questions or need any help, Salesforce wise or career wise, feel free to drop me an email. There's a contact page on the, the website. So drop me a link and uh, we, can, we can have a chat. But thanks very much for having me, Emrit. It's been a, been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the SFDC Consultant Podcast. Be sure to visit
0: sfdcconsultant.com to access the show notes, and discover additional content. If you enjoyed the podcast, it would be amazing if you could subscribe, give us a review and share it with your peers. Until next time, take care.